0: If Ole Miss is going to defeat Kentucky, this is how they're going to do it. This is the keys to victory right here on Locked On Ole Miss. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Stephen Willis, at the Stephen Willis down below. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Before we get started, I do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and promo code LOCKED, that's one word, LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. It's a Pretty good deal from Upside. Also, thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Lots of big news going on. Today, we are going to tell you three things that Ole Miss needs to get under control and do for them to defeat the Kentucky Wildcats. It's our standard thing, but before we get started, I do want to let you know, with Hurricane Ian out spinning in the Gulf, I am going to have to bank all the Lockdown Ole Miss shows with recording on Monday and Tuesday. So if anything new happens, and Ian causes power outages all over Florida, that is the reason that it might look a little bit different this week. I had a huge week planned. Really did. And I'm trying to get my crossover recorded with um, the Locked On UK site. I want to talk to Chris Gordy tonight. Uh, There's still going to be some guests, but timeliness might be an issue. Just a heads up on that. But I figure better safe than sorry. And if nothing happens, we'll have those shows banked and I can concentrate on doing extras the rest of the week. So that is what's going to happen this week. I mean, Mother Nature just kind of intervened because this hurricane, while it's not going to hit us directly, it's going to strafe us, which might cause power outages. And I I, I just don't want to be in a position to where a power outage for like four hours completely ruins a day for you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and bank these shows. So I'm going to record four shows in the next two days. So um, enjoy them. They should be pretty good. But it will be basically the same show and the same premise that you're used to. So be aware of that. Anyway, for Ole Miss to defeat Kentucky, there's really three keys that need to happen. And you can see them over on the side in the rundown today. Because those are the three things that are going to be most important for this game. Now, I will tell you all over, all the time, that playing clean is important for this Ole Miss team. And I talked to you yesterday about a potential fatal flaw that could completely throw the timing and everything else off of this offense. So we'll see exactly what it looks like. It could be completely fine. They could adjust to the speed of the snap. Everything could be fine with reps. But because of that, because of that snap, I think they are not using the middle of the field. I think this is a major, major um, development in the Ole Miss offense. Last year and the year before, even with Elijah Moore, Matt Corral did most of his best work in the middle of the field. Most spread offices do their best work in the middle of the field because that's where the defenders are. You run an RPO off of somebody, it's probably going to be in the middle of the field because that's where they are. My theory, and this is just a theory at this point is that having to take the ball off, not knowing where the snap is, since it's so inconsistent, it's blowing up RPOs in the beginning. And it's forcing the quarterback to hold the ball a little bit longer, which in turn is making the offensive line, who is run blocking, less effective. I think it all boils down to that snap. But the middle of the field is an important situation that Ole Miss needs to get into doing. Just period. They need to use the middle of the field. They need the slot receivers. Maybe this is the game that Jalen Robinson comes in and breaks out. Maybe this is the game that Jordan Watkins kind of breaks out. Maybe this is the game that Michael Trigg finds his home in the middle of the field. Because right now, the pass offense is basically a black hole around 15 yards from the line of scrimmage um, and in between the hashes. It's just a black hole. It's like, do not tread. Do not go there. At this point. And that is a problem when playing a defense as good as Kentucky. Because the point of this offense and what they do and what they do really effectively is they force you to defend all 52 and a half yards wide and all 100 yards long. That's, that's their whole thing. Their, through alignment, through plays, everything and probing is through making defenses do that. This offense, which is scoring like 40 points a game, it's not like it's not scoring at the moment. So don't misunderstand me. But there's a 15-yard gap between the football of the line of scrimmage and about the front of the safeties that it's not getting used. Now, why is it not getting used? I told you my theory. Put down in the comment section below your theory on it. But... This is something that needs to get rectified. When everybody has been talking about, and I I talked about this a little bit yesterday, it's like, hey, you can't do that against an SEC team. Oh, you can't run the ball in third and eight in the SEC team. Yeah, we've done it for two years. But in a situation like this, you cannot take a third of the field in two zones, both short and intermediate, out of the arsenal to where they don't have to defend it. Because those middle linebackers are going to A-gap blitz you over and over again if there is no passing threat and they don't have to worry about it. They can spring to life against the running backs to try and stop a running play. And if they're not worried about getting punished behind them, they're in trouble. And now, the reason I bring this up is Kentucky's a good defense. They're they're a very good defense. Let's just be real about it. But in a game coming up in the middle of November like Alabama, the weakness of that Alabama team is RPOs at the linebacker position. I told you about Henry Toa Toa. Florida basically made that a game by forcing him to make reads over and over again to the point where he was a half a step slow um, moving forward, and he was too slow to um, cover the tight end right behind him. But that was in the middle of the field. Alabama's weakness is the RPO. It is not just sitting back and um, defending drop-back passes. They've handled that for 15 years at this point. But if you want to put them under pressure, that middle-of-the-field RPO game has to be a thing, really. Something they have to worry about. And Kentucky's the same way. If you do not threaten that middle of the field to where you don't make the linebackers worry, they can attack the run. They can attack the quarterback without fear of anybody coming in behind them and taking that free those free yards. You have really good wide receivers at Ole Miss. Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo are excellent. I will not say they aren't. But for the offense to be balanced, and I don't mean balanced as far as um, run and pass. I mean balanced as far as Mike Leach's definition of balanced, where multiple receivers are getting the ball at the same time, or not the same time, but on the offense. That's important because you need to utilize the tight end. You need to utilize the slot receiver. Jalen Robinson needs to earn a scholarship at this point. Jordan Watkins had a bad game against Tulsa, but he had a decent game against Georgia Tech, a quietly good game against Georgia Tech. Now, Jeff Collins is gone, and Georgia Tech's not good, and we told you all along that Tulsa was going to be the best non-conference team that almost played. Now, now that everybody is kind of hemmed and hawed about that game, okay? Everybody is upset about what was going down in that game. Now, Ole Miss had the talent to win that game. Last year, they did not have the talent to win that game, even with Matt Corral. When Matt Luke was here, they didn't have the talent. When Hugh Freeze was here, they lost games like that. They went up to Memphis and lost in 2015 before they went to the Sugar Bowl. That was the game where um, Hugh Freeze put Robert Kimdichie in at running back, and everybody in the world knew that he was going to get the ball. And then Robert Kyndici got a concussion. That was that game. But this is a game that Ole Miss has lost throughout its history. Two thousand and three. They lost to Texas Tech. Um and, and Memphis, actually. They lost to Memphis again. But they also required a fifty something yard field goal to beat Vanderbilt in the season opener that year. These are games that Ole Miss normally loses. But the talent that Lane Kiffin has infused into this team basically made it where midway through the second quarter as badly as they played in the second half. Tulsa couldn't get them. The game was won in the second quarter. We just didn't know it yet. And a part of that, I think, is Ole Miss's they have a little bit of an inferiority complex, their fans do. They expect something bad to happen. That's the reason people have like that saying, we are Ole Miss. That's going around. Everybody is waiting constantly for the other shoe to drop. Now, that tells me that during the 50s, Ole Miss was probably unbearable as fans. This might be a karma issue. <laughs> I think I think it was unbearable because just if something bad could happen, it has. In recent memory, well, Lane Kiffin now is like 15-3, 15 and three in his last 18 or 16 and three in his last 19, with a 12-game home winning streak that Ole Miss hasn't replicated since the last time they won SEC titles. Since that era when they were just beating everybody, that that's a pretty big deal, and. This has nothing to do with the keys to beating Kentucky, but Ole Miss breaking out the real tree helmets and possibly the uniform. I'm looking forward to seeing what that will look like. I am usually not a fan of camo, but if the kids like it, the kids like it. And if people want to buy it, people want to buy it. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I looked on the um, Rebel Shop page for the Realtree merch because I like the Thin, long sleeve t-shirts with a hoodie. I, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of those. You've seen me wear it on this show. I enjoy doing that. So I think it could look good. It could be a nice recruiting boon, and it should help on the NIL, NIL side of the house because the benefit that Ole Miss has in this, and other people are going to copycat this, by the way, so some people are upset that Ole Miss is going to allow a corporation to basically use them as a billboard, which Ole Miss has been doing since the 90s or 2000s when they signed with Nike. Everything has a swoosh on. Everybody wears Nike gear. So we've, we've done that. But I think Realtree is one of the first companies to have the ideas like, well, we could do something here and brand it as Realtree and basically make this a four-hour commercial for Realtree. And it's still going to look like Ole Miss. It's still going to look good. I admire the forward thinking of Wayne Kiffin and the guys. But this will be copycatted. Now, Realtree was in a unique position to be able to do this. I think Mississippi State might have done something similar with Mossy Oak. Um, But now in the age of NIL, stuff like this is going to happen. If you want to be Alabama to where you only wear your crimson helmets and crimson jerseys or white jerseys when you're on the road, that's no longer going to hold water at 99.9% of schools. There are such, so few schools that can get away with doing this right now. With not doing this. And Alabama may be it. After that, everybody plays with their jerseys. Everybody. Ohio State had a blackout with black helmets this past weekend. There's nothing traditional about uniforms. And if you want a tradition and you're just stomping your feet and you just, ah, this needs to be a certain way, well, at this point, it's like Canute trying to hold back the tides in medieval England. That, that's what this is like. If you're trying to fight what is going on with the uniforms right now, it's not going to hold water. Just, just a heads up on that. Anyway, before we go, I do want to tell you about upside because from cringing at the pump to getting an eye popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back with, um, thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED. That's just one word, LOCKED. And get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer wherever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business. Pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times as much money with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.0, 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED, one word, to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. That will help others find our show. Right now, if you put Ole Miss podcasts in the Google machine, the first thing that pops up will be the Locked On Almost podcast. And that is what we want. That is why we're doing this. And this is why I say it every day. So thank you very much for doing that. Again, watch us on YouTube and all that. Upvote it, comment, hit the bell, all of that stuff. Do that as well. Um, that'll make us very happy. Anyway, first segment we talked about using the middle of the field and also went off in a little bit of rant about real trade jerseys and, you know, what's going on there. Anyway, The second key to the game is handling Chris Rodriguez, the running back. Now, Kentucky has had issues with their offensive line all season. It hasn't gone away. It is their Achilles heel. If we get on and talk to um, Lance Dahl, like we will later on in the week, he will talk about the offensive line and um, protecting Will Levis moving forward. Their wide receivers are good. Their running backs are good. Their quarterback is good there might have they might have a fatal flaw on the offensive line and we're going to talk about that multi-levels as a way to attack the first step though that Ole Miss has to do in this 3-2-6 because it is susceptible for teams playing murder ball and if you want to question what murder ball is it's what Alabama did last year to Ole Miss hand it off to a 230 pound running back get four yards a time be completely fine with the score that's going on, but eventually just have eight, nine minute drives and a touchdown. And potentially you can force the other coach to panic, which Lane Kiffin did last year, and it turns out to a 42 to 21 game. It's just the way it is. But that is what I refer to as murder ball. It's joyless. It's the way Alabama used to play in 2010, in 2009, in 2011 that era but Kentucky has the ability to do that against Ole Miss and it's going to be imperative Chris Rodriguez is back after his legal troubles I think he was gone for four games so his first game back will be Saturday I expect Will Levis to hand the ball off to him. The more success he has, the more effective Will Levis and those wide receivers will be. It's not very complicated in this situation. The key to taking care of the Kentucky offense will be handling Chris Rodriguez. If you can make Kentucky one-dimensional, and that one-dimension is passing, you're going to be okay in a defense that has six defensive backs. You also have Otis Reese that is going to be out the first half of this game. Hopefully, Kari Coleman is back. Hopefully, J.J. Pegues is back. We don't know exactly where that stands. But, I mean, you kind of have to do what you have to do. But it's imperative that Ole Miss handles Chris Rodriguez because if they allow Kentucky to play murder ball and they have the confidence to where they can gain four, five, six yards of carry, That is going to be trouble for this defense. Now, I am not putting too much stock in the fact that Ole Miss gave up 260 yards rushing against Tulsa. I'm chalking that up to the fact that it was the ultimate trap game, and also Ole Miss was preparing for Davis Brin, and whenever the backup quarterback came in, it was more of a running wildcat type system. And I'm willing to give Ole Miss a pass for this Tulsa game. Pretty much all levels, because they did win the game. But one thing I will see, if Kentucky can run the ball at will on Ole Miss with Chris Rodriguez, Ole Miss could be in a little bit of trouble. Remember, before the season I told you, Ole Miss could go 11-1, and 10-2. They could go 5-7, and 6-6. Six and six. That's the four in the ceiling in this team. And not being able to stop Chris Rodriguez over and over again to where Kentucky just grinds it out, That is probably indicative indicative of three or four losses on the schedule. A&M, Bama, Kentucky, um, potentially even LSU. I mean, Arkansas. That's what I'm going to say, Arkansas. Hmm. But yeah, that would be possible. And this would be an 8-4 team. We're out in Las Vegas on December 17th and do whatever we need to do. But... That is a major key to this game is handling Chris Rodriguez. And don't necessarily stop him. Is and it's not really that. You know, he's I'm not gonna say he's too good to be stopped. No, it's not that either. But he is good enough to where if you let him run and you give him space, he can hurt you. And he will be a key that unlocks the rest of the offense. There's a chance Kentucky's offense could be really good once Chris Rodriguez comes back on the field. He's he's kind of a linchpin. He's kind of a keystone to this offense. And that needs to be important. I think Chris Partridge and the boys are going to increasingly scheme that up. They're going to force Will Levis to beat Ole Miss. And when we come back from this break, I'm going to tell you how we deal with that as well. Stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, participate in the conversation yourself via the comment section and the upvote button. So we do appreciate that as well. Anyway, first two segments of the show, we talked about how using the middle, middle of the field will be paramount for this offense. It's like a... 15-yard, do not fly, no fly zone that happens in this offense right now. We need to see some mesh concepts. We need to see some drag concepts. We need to see something that makes these linebackers think a little bit. The second segment, basically, we talked about the need to handle Chris Rodriguez. Good player, really good player. And he might be the keystone that is going to hold this offense up. So pay attention, have a memory of, a little bit of what they looked like in 2020, they don't look like that anymore. They look more like the, I don't know, I think the coach, the offensive coordinator they have now coached at San Francisco last year. So it's not so much Rams, it's more so 49ers. So I expect to see a lot of zone runs and duo action um, working for Kyle Shanahan. But I digress. The third key to the game, and if Ole Miss does all three of these, they're going to win the game. Um, probably fairly handily. Ole Miss is currently a six and a half point favorite over Kentucky and the over under has dropped to 54 and a half. Vegas is catching up on the bet under um, Ole Miss scores. I think Ole Miss has hit under just about every game this year. Um, So it's not quite what everybody thinks. Everybody bets at the beginning of the season based on reputation. But these lines and over under are brought to you by Bet Online, like they all are. So The last key to the game will be get pressure on Will Levis. Whether it be Kari Coleman, Jared Ivey, Cedric Johnson, maybe J.J. Piggies comes back and um, provides a little bit of an interior pressure that can do things. Anything that can make Will Levis drop his eyes a little bit. Now... I don't know if he's at the point where he needs a spy, but he might be. I think Troy Brown would be fine with that whenever Will Levis wants to run, but Ole Miss rushing three, sometimes four um, in a base defense, it it could be tricky. But if Ole Miss can get pressure and those looks, Kentucky's in a little bit of trouble. Now, we told you earlier in the show, told you early in the show, that Kentucky has had problems on the offensive line all year. And because of that, I think Ole Miss needs to exploit that, both in the Chris Rodriguez run game and in the pass game. They need to figure out a way to victimize this offensive line. So I think, personally, Ole Miss needs to break out a couple of stunts that they haven't shown. When they're in four down, do the tackle end thing. Just do something that's a little bit different because – the similarity that people have with Jimbo's offense being so static and you can just line up, and you see them talk about this um, every week. Appy State did not have a problem with Texas A&M because they didn't have to move. They didn't have to think. It's like, okay, when they snap the ball, I'm covering this. There's no motion. There's no anything, no window dressing at all. Well, defensively, a little bit of the same stuff can happen. Ole Miss goes out there and almost advertises – that they're um, doing drop eight this this play. Or, oh, Ole Miss is coming at you this play. And it, and that's fine, but that does make it a little easier on Will Levis. So maybe disguise your coverages, disguise your defenses a little bit, make him think a little bit. Maybe he holds on to the ball for a beat, and you can make a play in the pass game. That would be my recommendation. But if Ole Miss does these three things, Ole Miss will win the game. Um, against Kentucky, and it might not be particularly close. Kentucky is a good team. They, They are. This is nothing against the Wildcats. But if Ole Miss uses their whole field offensively, which they haven't this year, even though they're averaging 42 points a game or something like that, they handle Chris Rodriguez, let's say 75 yards on 15 carries or something like that, and they get pressure on Will Levis, Ole Miss will win the game. I mean, I mean that's just a recipe for almost a whitewashing. But it is important, I will say this, and I said this all last week and it didn't hold any water and they, nothing was listened to or anything like that, but Ole Miss needs to play a clean game. No turnovers, no penalties. Operationally, snaps need to work. Stuff like that needs to happen. Anyway, Quinshawn Judkins, SEC co-freshman of the week for his 140 yards and two touchdowns. Big game by the young player. And that's something I mentioned in my takeaways episode yesterday. I am beginning to wonder if Quinshawn Judkins is not the best running back on Ole Miss's team. And that is fully acknowledging how good Zach Evans is. It's just a surprise that, yes, Zach Evans came from TCU. He came in through the transfer portal. That is how we built the roster. But there's also a high school kid that we recruited that just runs angry. He runs like he wants to get back at you for something. It, fantastic. My dad always talked about, and he still does, but he says um, Ole Miss needs to get a running back like LSU always had to where you could hand, hand the ball to him and you could count on them to get a yard or two. Well, they kind of have two of those guys now, after not having them. I mean, you had Deuce and you had the big break to where like, even Dexter McCluster was playing running back. Great running back, not a guy that you want to um, hand it up the middle on third and one. So this is a guy you can hand the ball, do some pretty phenomenal things offensively with him. I still have, we still haven't seen 20 personnel. I think that is coming. I think that is absolutely coming. 20 personnel with a tight end, and you take off the slot receiver. They're not using the slot receiver much anyway, but that'll open up angle routes and Texas screens and all kinds of stuff to use that part of the field. You do have the ability to run a wheel down the sideline while faking the ball play action to Quinshawn Judkins or Zach Evans. There's some creativity that is in the cards that could happen with Ole Miss football. Anyway, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. That's Locked On SEC. Now remember, this week's a weird one with the hurricane. And I'm going to try and bank as many of these Locked On on this podcast as I can to make sure that you have something um, early in the morning on Fridays or on Thursday or on Wednesday, whenever all this hits. I don't know um, if power is going to be down. I don't know exactly if this thing wobbles very much more east, this could be a problem because my power provider is Tampa Electric. And, yeah, that's not hard to figure out which side they're on. So... Enjoy these videos. Participate in the comment section below. If I am out of the pocket, I'm out of pocket. This is basically, I just want to make sure you guys um, get the information on such a big game. Because this is a huge game. We've built this game up for six months. Ole Miss is wearing special helmets. I do not know the jersey they're wearing at this point. But this is a big game. Stripe out in the vault. Look on there to figure out what you need to wear based on which section you're in. Real easy. It's been all over Twitter for three months. So look on there, which section you're supposed to wear, which color you're supposed to wear. Pretty simple. Anyway, I will see you tomorrow with more Locked On this Podcast. Peace.